I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome. It is Verdict with Senator Ted Cruz. Ben Ferguson with you. And Senator, the House Oversight Committee revealed that in 2017, China's State Energy, HK Limited, sent $3 million to a company controlled by family associate Robert Walker, who in turn distributed funds to members of the Biden family. And we now know that the number of Bidens that are getting money from these transactions has expanded. How shocked are you by this revelation? Well, I'm sorry to say I'm not shocked at all. Uh, We keep seeing every day, every week, more and more evidence of Biden family corruption, and in particular, evidence of the Biden family being in business with the Chinese Communist government. Uh, If you look at at what the House Oversight Committee has released and what the records uh, show, according to that committee, uh, it starts with the fact that on March 1st, 2017, which is less than two months after Biden leaves public office, Robinson Walker LLC, and and this fellow Rob Walker is a close associate of Biden, receives a $3 million wire from State Energy HK Limited, which is a Chinese company. Now, what does Robinson Walker LLC do? It then wires $1 million 65,000 to a company that is associated with James Gillier. Who is James Gillier? James Gillier was a business partner of Hunter Biden and was involved in foreign transactions with the Biden family. And what happened after that? After that, Biden family members and their companies began receiving incremental payments over a period of approximately three months. How much were those payments? One million, sixty-five thousand. 692. So to underscore that, the amount that's transferred to James Gillier is a million sixty-five thousand. The amount that then goes to Biden family members is a million sixty-five thousand and an additional six hundred and ninety-two dollars. I don't know what the six hundred and ninety-two is. So that fact is there that about a third of the money that apparently came from China went to the Biden family. But fact number two, the oversight committee mentions is the number of people receiving this cash has grown. So according to the Oversight Committee, James Biden, which is Joe Biden's brother, received some of the money. Hunter Biden, who we all know, received some of the money. And then a new person of interest, Hallie Biden. Now, Hallie Biden was the widow uh, of Joe Biden's son, Bo uh, Biden. She received some of the money. And then there's a fourth bank account, that is identified as an unknown Biden, 
who also received some of the money. And, and it's not clear from what the House has released, and I don't think they know yet whether this fourth Biden uh, is one of the three already listed, James, Hunter, or Halley, or whether it's someone else entirely. But what we now know is the number of Bidens receiving cash and cash that appears to be funneled directly from the Chinese Communist government has grown substantially in the last 24 hours. The question that I think so many Americans want to know right now is, okay, at what point do we just call this straight-up bribery and corruption? And the reason why is there's no indication that James Biden and Hallie Biden did business together, and we're talking about legitimate business, or they knew person of interest with Hunter Biden and with the president. And at some point you ask, okay, are these people doing legitimate businesses or could they even claim, Senator, that they were doing legitimate business when clearly their resumes are completely different? And and you put Hallie in there and the question becomes, at what point do we just say this is a this is a, a money laundering scheme, in essence, to give it to all the family members? Well, it, it certainly looks like it on the face. Um, I, I'm not aware of any facts justifying work that, that Halle Biden might have done for, for the Chinese communist government or for, or for this Chinese company. Um, you know, Hunter Biden led the effort uh, to, to try to get this money from China, and he, he received the lion's share of it. Uh, his experience with China seems quite limited, other than the fact that daddy was vice president and... China, I believe, thought it was profitable to send money to to the Biden family, including, as Hunter Biden's laptop famously says, 10 percent for the big guy, uh, that obviously being Joe Biden. And we now have uh, multiple witnesses who have testified that, that the big guy was was Joe Biden. Look, th- this is similar, but, but it, it, to an even greater degree. The inference that was raised uh, by Hunter Biden's working for Burisma and getting over a million dollars for Burisma. Burisma is the Ukrainian natural gas company. Hunter Biden does not speak Ukrainian, to the best of my knowledge. There's no evidence that he does. Hunter Biden did not know a damn thing about oil and gas. And so it raised an obvious question. Why would a Ukrainian company pay someone who knew nothing about what they did over a million bucks? Generally, companies don't do that. If you pay someone a million bucks you think you're getting something for it. That raises the inference that the payment, the only thing Hunter Biden added to the equation was daddy. Um, That now is made even more likely by the escalating number of Biden family members uh, who, for the Chinese communist government, presumably were doing even less than Hunter Biden was doing for Burisma. All of which gets back to something we've discussed on this podcast before, which is the Department of Justice has appointed a special counsel that is investigating, number one, the the classified documents uh, that Joe Biden had littered around seemingly every home he owns. Uh, And we've talked about in this podcast before that special counsel's investigation and also the DOJ's investigation into Hunter Biden that they have leaked uh, vigorously to the press. Both of those, we will know whether DOJ is shilling for the White House by answering one question. Do those investigations examine directly corruption by Joe Biden, the big guy, the president, or do they do everything they can 
to shield off the big guy and stay focused on potential crimes committed only by downriver Biden family members. If DOJ turns a blind eye to the big guy, that means the Biden Department of Justice is an active participant in the cover-up, and we're going to know that sooner rather than later. There's another aspect of this, and that is it's not even clear with this wire transfer, with this $3 million and over a million going to the Biden family, what goods or services, and I say this, everybody listen to this, if any, were provided in exchange for these payments. Before we go through that, I want to tell people about Patriot Mobile real quick. Patriot Mobile is the only Christian conservative cell phone company in the U.S., And if you're sick and tired of woke companies that you pay money to every month and then they actually go against your values, you've got an option now in the cell phone industry. You can actually switch to Patriot Mobile, and it's easy. You can keep your same cell phone number. You can keep your same cell phone or switch to a new phone. Maybe you want to upgrade. You can do that. The other great thing about Patriot Mobile is when you pay your bill, every month they take a portion of that bill and they give it back to conservative causes and organizations that actually stand for what we believe in. We're talking about First and Second Amendment right organizations, standing up for the rights of unborn children, and even helping people with adoptions. If you're ready to have a company stand with you and what you believe in, you're going to have a cell phone anyway. You might as well support what you believe in when you pay your bill. Call them, 878-PATRIOT. That's 878-PATRIOT. 878-PATRIOT. Use the promo code VERDICT. You'll get the best deals of the day. PatriotMobile.com slash verdict. Now, Senator, when this hit, it obviously spooked Hunter Biden's team because they usually don't put out much. And Hunter Biden's legal team issued a statement claiming that he had engaged in a, quote, legitimate private business venture with a Chinese company. As part of that joint venture, Hunter received his portion of good faith seed funds, which he shared with his uncle James and Hallie Biden with whom he ha- he was involved with at a time and sharing expenses, quote-unquote. They're not even saying what the company would have done. You would assume, and you're again, you're, you're a lawyer, you would know this. This is a statement that I think opens them up to even more problems because they can't tell you what they actually did. Well, I think that's right, and, and you would think that they would want to put their best story forward. They would want to explain something. And, and look, I just ask folks to ask yourself at home, um, have you ever had anyone pay you a million bucks? Uh, and if so, and there's some people who have, did you have to do something for it? I mean, in your experience, do people usually get paid a million bucks for doing nothing? Now, let me ask a second question. When was the last time you got paid a million bucks from the Chinese Communist government or a company owned and controlled by the Chinese Communist government. Does that raise a different set of questions? And on top of that, if you happen to be, maybe we've got a podcast listener who has received a million bucks from the Chinese Communist government, although I doubt it. But if they have, it's worth asking, was your father at the time or had he recently been the vice president of the United States and making public policy decisions directly impacting China? Um, At some point, if the Chinese communist government is essentially dropping off paper bags filled with rolls of fresh $100 bills to every Biden family member they can find, 
if that doesn't start to look like bribery, I, I, I don't know what does. But I am glad that the House Oversight Committee is examining this. I'm glad they're putting out the facts. I assume the corporate media will utterly ignore it because the corporate media no longer engages in journalism. They no longer report on facts. If you want to learn facts, you have to listen to sources like this podcast that just lays out the facts. You can also watch Fox News or Newsmax to get some of these facts, but I'm, I, I'm going to hold my breath for CNN or MSNBC or ABC, CBS, NBC to cover these, these facts because it's inconvenient to their political narrative. You know, I, I pulled this clip up, Senator, because it, as you were speaking, it made me remember something that Joe Biden said in an Axios on HBO interview back in 2019 when he was asked a question about Hunter Biden. This goes back to Burisma. This goes back to him on the board. And the president said this. We now know that the, his statement here is not accurate and or correct. Another way of putting it is he lied. Listen. I don't know what he was doing. I know he was on the board. I found out he was on the board after he was on the board. And that was it. And there's nobody. Well, you've had a lot of time. Isn't this something you want to get to the bottom of? No, because I trust my son. I trust my son, Senator. That's his statement. He said he didn't even know that he was on the board of Burisma until after he was on the board of Burisma. We know from the emails, the laptop, that's not true. And he basically says, I trust my son, so everybody else in America should trust us as well. Well, now with the Biden family money expanding to these other people with the last name Biden, how does the president still stand by that statement? And how damning could that be if we look at, at the actual issue of impeachment? Uh, look, it, it, it can be very damning. And I, and I want to be clear, there's more than one way that, that the Chinese Communist government or Burisma, the Ukrainian natural gas company, can funnel cash to Joe Biden. One way to funnel cash is, is with cash going directly to the big guy, directly to, to, to Biden. But another way is just sending cash to, to various family members. I, I, you know, imagine for a second, you know, you've got little kids, but imagine you had an adult son who had serious substance abuse problems, who had been a serious financial drain uh, on your bank account because you were supporting him, you were having to provide for him, he was a troubled son, and suddenly a foreign government begins sending him millions of dollars and taking the burden off you. Even if you never deposit a penny in your own bank account, removing a burden that you previously had of providing for your troubled son, that is, money is fungible, That that, that is in effect... Uh, giving money directly to Joe Biden, and, and it certainly would have been received as that. And, I, and I'll say that was a point that was made to me by someone who was a former very senior official in Washington who had served in very senior positions in previous White Houses, and, and I think it's a point that is exactly true. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, 
Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. One of the things we know about China, and we know this from our own you know, internal reporting from the deep state when they've talked about this, China has a clear desire to compromise and to have influence over American policy. We've seen this at the universities. That's been that's come up with the Biden Center, for example. We've seen this with the money that they've given the Clinton Foundation and others, yeah. but they want influence. And China having this desire to have influence, you couldn't have hit a bigger grand slam than this amount of influence over a, a the most prominent family in American politics right now in real time. And that is the other thing. If Joe Biden is compromised, can you impeach somebody, Senator, going backwards? And and I'm sure the Democrats say, well, this stuff happened when he left the vice presidency. The, the payments came in after he left. So there's 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 you can't go back and look at what he did in the past. But if it is influencing his what he's doing now and what he's saying now and he's still doing favors for these countries now, is that an impeachable offense? Well, I, I think that is an open question, but the Constitution itself is silent on it. Here's what the Constitution says. Article 2, Section 4 of the Constitution reads as follows, quote, The President, Vice President, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Now, notably in that constitutional text, there's no provision that that is treason, bribery, or other high crimes or misdemeanors that must have been committed while in federal office. And ultimately, the interpretation of, of whether the crimes had to be while in federal office would be an interpretation that would fall to the House and Senate. Now, the way impeachment works, it's the House of Representatives that brings impeachment. Impeachment is not removing a president from office. Impeachment is this, effectively the same thing as an indictment. An indictment is when a grand jury returns an indictment. It is bringing charges against you. So if a majority of the House votes to impeach the president, then the president is impeached. We've seen in modern times Bill Clinton be impeached, and we've seen Donald Trump be impeached twice. Both of them were impeached because a majority of the House voted to impeach them. When that happens, it then goes to the Senate, and the Senate conducts a trial. For the president of the United States, the trial is presided over by the Chief Justice of the United States. And in order to convict, it takes two-thirds of the Senate to convict. And with the case of Bill Clinton, and in both instances Donald Trump, of course, there were not the two-thirds to convict. It is only upon conviction that a president can be removed from office. Now, the interpretation of what the scope of the impeachment clause is, is left to the House and Senate. The House, in determining whether to impeach, the Senate in, de in determining whether to convict. In the most recent presidential impeachments, it's been a major issue of contention whether the particular misconduct at issue qualified as high crimes or misdemeanors. This podcast launched on the very first day of the first Trump impeachment that night, and we've discussed at great length the meaning of the phrase high crimes or misdemeanors. We did not discuss the question of whether the conduct could precede the time as president. But I can tell you it's come up a couple of times. So number one, John C. Calhoun. So John C. Calhoun was vice president in 1826. And at the time, 
John C. Calhoun requested that the House conduct an impeachment inquiry regarding allegations that he had profited from a contract during his tenure as United States Secretary of War. So it was for conduct that preceded his service as vice president. But he asked, and and his request was granted, a House Select Committee uh, conducted an impeachment inquiry, and, and after several weeks, found that Calhoun was innocent of wrongdoing. And so you might argue, and I suspect if an impeachment were proceeding, people would use the Calhoun case to argue on both sides. Some might say, well, the fact that he was not impeached uh, shows that, that, that perhaps you can't impeach for conduct prior to being in office. Others might argue, well, no, that just showed that he was innocent of the conduct. A sec- second example uh, is... In 1973, Spiro Agnew. So Spiro Agnew was Richard Nixon's vice president. And on September 26, 1973, Spiro Agnew asked the House again to launch an impeachment inquiry uh, into him. And, and, and that request was denied by the Speaker of the House, Carl Al- Albert. Now, at the time, the reason Agnew wanted the impeachment inquiry was there were charges that he had received bribes from construction companies during his time as a, as a Baltimore County executive and his time uh, as governor of Maryland. Um, and, and actually, Andrew cited the John C. Calhoun precedent as a basis for the impeachment inquiry, and he hoped that the impeachment inquiry would serve as an alternative to the grand jury investigation that was ongoing. What, what ultimately happened... Uh, was the grand jury investigation moved forward. And, and uh, on October 10th, 1973, uh, as part of a plea bargain relating to charges of tax evasion, Vice President Agnew resigned. So there, now I will say some of the allegations of corruption concerning Agnew also extended to his time as vice president. So again, I would expect the House and Senate to argue that precedent on both sides. But the short answer is, the House of Representatives is given the authority under the Constitution to impeach under whatever circumstances the House determines meets the standards of high crimes or misdemeanors, and nothing in the Constitution, the text of it, limits it to only crimes committed while in federal office. Last question on this, and so many people have thrown around this word, and I want to be cautious when talking about it, but I think you can, you can explain what it actually means and what it and, and, what it's supposed to mean is the word treason. If a president, any president, is acting on behalf of another nation. Before I get your thoughts on that, though, I want to tell you about chalk. If you're a, a real American man and you want to maximize your masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days, you can actually do it with the chalk male vitality stack. Now, If you're a guy and you just feel like you've lost a little bit of that edge, you're getting a little bit older and you don't feel like yourself anymore, you can fight back against that war on masculinity and you can do it with chalk. C-H-O-Q, they are here to help real men just like you and I maximize our testosterone levels by boosting them up to 20% over 90 days. If you are ready to get that feeling back, then you need to check out chalk. Go online to choq.com. Use the promo code BEN for 35% off any chalk subscription for life. Plus, you can cancel anytime. CHOQ.com, promo code BEN for 35% off. Now, 
because they have been bribed because of these business deals. Is that a treasonous offense? Because we see that as a word now that I think is, is overused way too much. But would that be would that fall under that category? Well, that question uh, is is interesting. Uh, treason is actually the only crime that is defined not just by statute, but in the text of the Constitution. Article 3, Section 3 of the Constitution provides, quote, Treason against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. No person shall be convicted of treason unless on the testimony of two witnesses to the same overt act or on confession in open court. And so it, it, it's the only crime the Constitution went, specifically defines. Uh, levying war against them, let's take the first part of that. Uh, I think it would be very difficult to argue that, that Joe Biden has levied war against the United States. I think that part clearly would not apply. Um, or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. Uh, one could make that argument. I think it would be a high standard. Uh, the long and short of it is, as a, as a criminal matter, uh, I think you would be far more likely to get a conviction for bribery uh, or official corruption than for treason. The standard for treason uh, is, is really, really high, but you don't have to prove treason for impeachment. Uh, and bribery is another ground explicitly laid out in the Constitution for impeachment. So, so I would say the, the more relevant inquiry here is, is, is simply the inquiry, was Joe Biden corruptly uh, benefiting, in effect, being bribed by the Chinese Communist government? And, and these facts, as you have more and more Biden family members getting paid substantial sums of money, uh, it, it, it raises the inference more and more strongly. Final question on this, because it is such a, a an important topic when it comes to law uh, and and not overstepping. We've also had a lot of people say impeachment, impeachment, impeachment. And we've seen that and abused with when, when Donald Trump was the president. With that being said, is there enough here, do you believe, for the House with a good conscience to say we need to go through impeachment? Or do you think they still need to wait and see more intel and more information come out of these suspicious activity reports, et cetera? Well, I, I think they need more evidence to successfully impeach the president. I'm glad the Oversight Committee is engaging in this investigation. I have every confidence they will continue engaging in this investigation. Look, one thing to remember, there's only a four-vote majority in the House. Uh, unfortunately, the chances that Democrats would vote to impeach President Biden are, are very close to zero. Uh, they've demonstrated that they will be hard partisans and, and holding the entirety of the House. I believe the first place impeachment should start is impeaching Alejandro Mayorkas uh, for the Secretary of Homeland Security for his utter dereliction of duty, for his, his refusing to follow the law, for his allowing into the country 5.5 million illegal immigrants I think that should be the first impeachment. I will point out, it's not even clear the House can get a majority to impeach him. There, there are Republicans in the House who are publicly saying they would be hesitant to do that. 
And so that should be the first starting point. I think the second starting point should be impeaching Merrick Garland, the attorney general. We've talked at great length about how Garland has been the most political attorney general in our nation's history. And in fact, if we see DOJ refusing to investigate uh, the mounting evidence of official corruption uh, against the White House, that becomes yet another grounds for impeachment of Garland. Uh, if the evidence continues to build, I think the House should very seriously cons consider impeachment of the president, but I think they need to build more evidence before going forward because they're not going to get the votes. If they went forward today, uh, I don't think they would get the votes. If the evidence continues to be laid out uh, at some point in the future, they might well. I want to give people an update on another story that we talked about and really broke news on here with, on Verdict, and that is uh, you have now moved forward, and we played that audio earlier of the judge, a federal judge that went to go speak uh, at Stanford and was ridiculed and heckled and mocked, uh, and it was pretty disgusting. You've now asked Stanford to punish the students who heckled that federal judge, and you've also now called for the Texas Bar Association to do something as well. Give everybody an update on that. Well, sure. Two follow-ups. Uh, I've sent a letter to Stanford Law School uh, asking what steps they intend to take. Stanford, the president of Stanford, the dean of the law school, have publicly apologized. So Federal Court of Appeals Judge Kyle Duncan was invited to speak at Stanford Law School by the Federalist Society. He came to speak. And a group of left-wing activists, Stanford Law students, uh, began heckling him, began screaming at him, began cursing at him, began yelling obscene insults and expletives at him, and, and shut down his speech. And, and uh, the dean of DEI at Stanford Law School came, and instead of enforcing Stanford's free speech policy, she stood up and gave a six-minute condescending lecture to the judge, essentially siding with the protesters and attacking the judge. And Stanford has already admitted in its written apology that she, she was not implementing their free speech policy. She was violating that policy. So I've written to Stanford saying, well, if you mean to protect free speech, then the question is, what are the consequences? How will you enforce it? And I've asked Stanford two things. Number one, um, what will the disciplinary consequences be for the students who engaged in this conduct? And mind you, this is all videotaped, so you don't need to be uh, a, a Sherlock Holmes to figure out who they were. It's all on videotape. They know who the students are. Uh, and number two, uh, I've called on Stanford to fire this dean, this dean to have the school official side with the violent, not violent, the, the angry, profane protesters uh, who were shouting down a federal, sitting federal court of appeals judge in violation of, of Stanford Law School policy, I, I think is and should be a firing offense. And, and, and if, if she gets off with a slap on the wrist, you can be sure this will happen again. This will not be the last time that left-wing activists feel free to shut down events uh, that, that, look, there were other students there who wanted to hear what the judge had to say. And Stanford has yet to respond to my letter. I expect that they will. Uh, but I can tell you the dean of the law school has already had a bunch of left-wing protesters show up outside of her class uh, dressed in black, uh, dressed like Antifa protesters, uh, protesting her. Now, they did not shout her down and silence her, so they have a right to do that. 
Uh, but they are already, I think, trying to intimidate the dean because she dared apologize for what happened. And in my view, if, if students believe they can engage in this conduct without consequence, we will see more of it. Now, I sent a second letter to the State Bar of Texas, and the letter that I sent to the State Bar of Texas asks the State Bar to investigate, to take any students who are graduating from Stanford Law School in the years 2023, 2024, 2025, and ask the students graduating in those years to answer in writing a very simple question. Did they participate in the shameful harassment of Judge Duncan on March 9, 2023? Now, I would assume the vast majority of Stanford graduates would answer truthfully, no, I did not participate in that. If they answer yes, here's what I said in my letter. I would leave it to the considered judgment of the Texas Supreme Court and the Texas Board of Bar Examiners what the proper remedy should be, a remedial training course, a letter of apology, or the like, for those that respond in the affirmative. Now, some commentators online have said, well, calling for the students to be disciplined, calling for the dean to be fired, that, that's censorship, that's cancel culture. And, and let me talk for a minute about why it's not, because it's important to understand this. Number one, a, a member of the bar, that, that is a unique responsibility. It is something every state has a bar exam. There, there's an extensive process to become. An, an attorney is, is someone who is admitted to the bar at, at, in the United States at a state, at one of the states in the United States. So I'm a member of the Texas bar. I'm a member of the District of Columbia bar. To be admitted to the bar, you got to take the bar exam. In Texas, it's a three-day exam. So I sat and took that three-day exam. Uh, you have to have graduated from an accredited law school. I did that as well. But they also ex engage in an examination of character and fitness. So generally speaking, if you, for example, have a felony conviction, uh, generally speaking, you can't be admitted to the bar. Um, remember, an attorney is someone who handles client money, who uh, represents the interest of a client. And if you're a litigator, an attorney's job is to appear in court and represent your clients. And so every state bar handles bar admissions looking to character and fitness. And, and I got to say, listen, if you're just a jerk, if you're an obnoxious protester, and let's say you come and scream at a random lawyer like the Yale Law students did when Kirsten Wagoner, who had just won a major religious liberty case, spoke at the law school— if you're doing that, that's obnoxious, it's uncouth, it's problematic, and it was contrary to Yale's free speech policy. But it is qualitatively different. If you scream at a public official, if you come scream at me, and I've had many protesters scream and curse at me, you know what, that's part of being in public life. It is qualitatively different if you are screaming and cursing and, and hurling expletives at a federal judge. An attorney owes a duty to the court. And whether you like the judge or not, if you engage in that conduct at a courtroom, you will be held in contempt and they will put handcuffs on you and send you to jail. There are judges with whom I disagree strongly. There are justices on the Supreme Court with whom I disagree strongly. I have to say, prior to what happened at Stanford, I have never once seen a federal judge treated like that 
uh, like these law students did. And so I think it is an important inquiry for Stanford Law School, if its policy means anything, to implement its policy. And I think it's an important inquiry for the state bar, I hope not just of Texas, but of other states. And let me finally mention another thing, that the Supreme Court has long said in, with respect to free speech, that you don't have a heckler's veto, which is it was entirely within the rights of the students at Stanford to protest Judge Duncan or anyone else. And, and actually, if they had stood outside the event like they stood outside the Stanford Dean's uh, con law class uh, and silently protested his speech, that would have been consistent with Stanford's free speech policy. But they didn't do that. They tried to aggressively disrupt the speech. They succeeded. He was not able to give the speech he had planned to give. And the heckler's veto is someone saying, I'm going to prevent you, Ben Ferguson, maybe you attended this speech and you want to hear what the speaker has to say. Somebody else doesn't have the right to shut down an event and as a heckler say, I'm vetoing this person's right to speak and this person's right to hear. That is not protected free speech. That is disruptive conduct, which is qualitatively different, which is why Stanford Law School has a policy that says you cannot disrupt a speech. And, and look, the question I asked on the pod a couple of days ago is, is very simple. If the identical thing had happened, but instead of a conservative court of appeals judge, it had been Sonia Sotomayor, or it had been Steve Breyer, or it had been Ruth Bader Ginsburg when she was still alive, if Students, law students had shouted and cursed and, and yelled profane expletives at any of those justices. Do you doubt for a minute that the students would have faced immediate disciplinary reaction? And for that matter, that any dean who sided with the students engaging in that conduct would have been terminated. I think the odds are 100 percent. And now Stanford can demonstrate whether it actually means what it poli its policy says or whether it, in effect, condones the, 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 this, this rather astonishing conduct. It's going to be very interesting to see how they respond or if they respond at all directly to your letter. We'll obviously keep Verdict listeners up to date on that. Finally, Senator, uh, three years ago today, uh, everything changed. 15 days to, to stop the spread, right? Well, we're now at the three-year anniversary of that. Before we go through that, I want to tell people about Augusta Precious Metals. They're different because they even tell you if a gold IRA isn't your answer. There's no pressure with Augusta Precious Metals, just the facts about how it could work for you and your retirement. Now, if you have an IRA or a 401k and you've saved more than $100,000 and you know how crazy the economy is and you know how important it is to protect your assets, especially if you're close to retirement because there is no time to make up losses, call Augusta Precious Metals. Not only will you get their free guide, but you will also get a web conference. Now, the web conference is amazing. I've done it. And you'll sit down and chat with someone one-on-one -on -one about your goals. Call them, 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA, or online at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Use my name, Ben, and you will actually get fees for up to 10 years for free. AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Now, Fauci. 
Dr. Fauci and Burks, what they had to say three years ago. Take a listen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Tony. He was my mentor, so I'm going to have to let him speak. <laughs> the small print here, it's really small print. In states with evidence of community transmission, bars, restaurants, food courts, gyms, and other indoor and outdoor venues where groups of people congregate should be closed. Should be closed. There it is. Three years ago, Senator, where, I mean, I got to get your reaction to how joyful they seem on that day. My mentors here. We've got all this power. It's amazing. And we're going to shut down everything in this country. And they, they basically were able to do that successfully. Yeah, look, that's exactly right. That was Deborah Burks and Anthony Fauci. That was at a White House press conference. And and the sort of smug gleefulness in which they're laughing, in which they're they're casually, uh, you know, he's reading, just shut them all down, shut down your businesses, destroy your businesses. Not my concern. Um, I've said before, and I believe Anthony Fauci is the most destructive bureaucrat in the history of this country. That the damage he did to millions of lives, the damage he did to millions of children who had their schools shut down in many instances for more than a year and who will face serious learning gaps for the rest of their lives. And by the way, that disproportionately impacts low-income kids, African-American kids, and and Hispanic kids uh, who bore the brunt of of the callous disregard that he implemented. Um, The jobs, those, those restaurants and bars that he's referring to, those stores, all of the jobs, family, uh, small businesses that, that were destroyed, many of which never opened again. And, and he casually flicked them away. And, and not to mention the restrictions that were put in place. You know, I think of all of the people who, who, who all of the seniors who died alone because policies were put in place that their loved ones couldn't be with them and comfort them. It, you know, I mean, it's just that those are heartbreaking tragedies. And we now know that Anthony Fauci was repeatedly lying to Congress and the American people. He was repeatedly lying about COVID having its origins in a Chinese lab. We now have two Biden agencies that have concluded it is likely that COVID's origins escaped from a Chinese lab. This podcast laid out the evidence for that three years ago. In fact, almost exactly the time Fauci and Burks were doing this press conference. Verdict was laying out the evidence that COVID likely came from a Chinese government lab. Fauci was more than happy to mislead the American people about that. He was more than happy to ask big tech to censor information about that. He was more than happy to lie to Congress and insist that the federal government had not funded gain-of-function research. And he also repeatedly was all over the place on policy issues such as whether or not a mask is effective in stopping the spread of the virus. He had said previously that it wasn't, and then under political pressure, he flipped his position, and and he he was quite willing to lie to the American people as the politics dictated. And I'll point out, when it came to school closures, Fauci was also very willing to respond to political pressure from the Biden White House and from the teachers' unions to keep schools closed and to urge that schools be closed and to urge also that, that even young children be given the vaccine to give arguments that were used in support of oppressive and morally wrong COVID vaccine mandates 
three years ago today is when they started this high-handed, wrong-headed policies, and, and the country will never be the same because of them. No doubt about it. And we're also going to make sure that we keep all of you updated on the latest breaking news with this Hunter Biden and these suspicious activity reports as well. So make sure you hit that subscribe or auto-download button wherever you're listening to this podcast so you do not miss an episode. And we will see you back here in a couple of days. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.